On the day of your wedding, it's one of the most magical days of your life. At least, so I've heard. I'm still working on that. However, although I am not married yet, I've been to several weddings. And even just witnessing two people committing their lives to one another is magical. The most precious moment of a wedding ceremony is without doubt, the vows. For better or for worse, in sickness and in health, through rich, through poor. I'm committed to you. When you see two humans exchange those words to one another, you can't help but smile if you're not already crying. And the thing is, it's common knowledge that over 50% of marriages end in divorce, but still, we love it when two people fall in love and tie the knot. If marriage was a stock, there is no way we would financially invest in it. But despite that, we decide over and over again to invest emotionally in people getting married. Because even though the numbers don't make sense, there's an element to marriage that we can bet on every single time. And that element is love. And love is a powerful thing. Love allows one to do the improbable, to overcome their shortcomings and work through their issues. The reason why one can choose to stay with someone else through rich and poor, sickness and in health, is all due to the power of love. Now, of course, the sad reality is that many people end up falling out of love, which of course leads to divorce. However, when you got love, you can get through anything. I remember when I went from liking my girlfriend to being in love with her. Before love, when she would ask me to drive out of my way to pick up coffee for her, it seemed like a chore. But after love, she never had to ask me for coffee. Every day I would get up excited to go out of my way and get her her latte. When love is the motivation, tasks and actions your partner asks of you becomes a privilege, not a chore. In the series so far, we've gone over a lot. We started off posing the question, which God you should believe in. Then we laid out the case for the Christian God, the God of the Bible and told the story of that God, identified him as a God of love, a God who loves you, who created you, and would do anything and everything to protect and save you. We showed that that claim isn't just lip service, but that from the beginning, after we allowed sin into this world, God devised a plan that while it cost him everything, would give us the opportunity to be freed from the sin of this world. Through the story of Jesus, we learned about a God that will stop at nothing to demonstrate his love for you and me and his desire to have a relation with us. Now, like every relationship, it takes two to maintain it. That being said, there are several things that we need to be aware of and do, not because God requires a whole bunch of chores to love him, but because it is the way we naturally show our love and appreciation for a God who loves us. I say all of this to make a simple point. 
and the rest of the episodes of the series, we're mainly going to deal with various practices, ideas, and lifestyle choices the Bible tells us we should do in order to best maintain a healthy relationship with him. Now, oftentimes when these practices are first introduced to people, they can seem a bit legalistic and even strange. And that's completely understandable and honestly, a pretty reasonable response. In the wrong context, they are pretty odd and even inappropriate. If on a daily basis, I'm getting up and getting coffee for a random girl who I have no relationship with, that's weird and pretty inappropriate. Hashtag restraining order. But in the right context, where I'm getting it for my partner who I love and loves me, and ask me to do this thing for her. In that context, it works out pretty well. So in the next several episodes, as we go through what it looks like to be a Christian, while we invite you to have some healthy skepticism and definitely spend time studying these practices for yourself, but also remember the context as to which we are dealing with here. All of these practices start with the understanding that there is a God of love out there that created and fought for us and our freedom and will be coming back soon to take us home with him. And while we're on earth, we desire to maintain a healthy relationship with him and live a life that demonstrates the love that he's shown us. Okay, now that we got all of that out the way, let's talk about what it means to accept Jesus into your heart. Here are the basics. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of heaven rejoices. The next step is to tell the world about your decision. Jesus says in John 3, 5, that a person needs to be baptized by water and by the Holy Spirit as part of the salvation process. But before we get there, you need to understand the gospel. The word gospel means good news. It is good news because it means that by faith, no matter what your sins are, you can have them forgiven in Jesus. Just like that, the slate wiped clean and you are a new person in Christ. And this experience then qualifies you to be baptized and to join in a community of like-minded people. Baptism is like a marriage ceremony. It is a public commitment that a person makes between them and God. It is a symbol. It represents you dying to your old life, old way of living. The way it looks like is you go down under the water as you would go into a grave. Then you come up out of the water in Christ. You come up into a new life as a new creation like being born for the very first time. But now, as a Christian, your sins and sinful life are left in the watery grave. You are now part of a community of people who believe in Jesus and follow him. You are part of the kingdom of God. You are the church. Now, in addition to a physical baptism, there's also a spiritual baptism. This is what's called being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And in order to get a better understanding of what that means, 
I encourage you to refer to Lesson 8 of A Picture of God, which you can find at apictureofgod.com. The lesson title is called Overflow. But in essence, is when you is when you surrender your life to Jesus and let him guide you. And to be clear, when I say surrender your life, I mean surrendering your heart. Jesus says that God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. See, some people will receive Christ only as their savior, but will not make him their Lord and surrender their lives to him. There's a difference there, but you need to do both. You need to one, accept Jesus as your savior, someone who has saved you and given you grace from your sin, and you also need to accept him as your Lord, someone whose will you surrender yourself to. God is our creator and he wants to be the first in our lives. He wants people to put the love of him before their family and friends. He wants people who love him more than they love the fleeting things of life, money, power, fame. He isn't looking for people who want to give him only a little control. He wants total surrender. The baptism of water is a single act, a statement, a proclamation. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is where Jesus promises to dwell with you. He will come into your heart and mind and be with you as long as you are open to him. With each major step in history, God has been taking one step closer to dwelling within his people. With the death of Christ and his work in the heavenly tabernacle, God can now dwell within each of us through Christ and the Holy Spirit. He is getting closer to his final goal of entire restoration, and sometimes the wait for heaven seems long. But I'm telling you, if you get baptized and surrender yourself to him, that wait it's going to be worth it. More on how we grow with our relationship with Jesus in the next episode of A Picture of God.